Hello, it's Paul Scott here, UK small caps investor, commentator, and writer of the Stockopedia um, small cap value reports with Graham uh, Neary and occasional help from Roland Head. Uh, this was Mellow Week, Mellow Chiswick, uh, Tuesday, Wednesday, and then an online show on Thursday. I only made it along on Tuesday, I'm afraid, but um, it was fantastic. It was so good to see so many uh, old friends there and make new friends. And um, God, everyone's so bloody smart, I have to say. You know, it was really interesting listening to everyone's in. Everyone got had got their own strategy and um, some really seriously uh, clued up people there. And very, very friendly people. One or two slightly quirky senses of humours that took me a, a little while to adjust to. That's you, Vives. <laughs> Vivette. So, uh, <laughs> but no, we ended up best of friends after uh, an initial um, stumble. So, right, moving on to Monday, the 22nd of May's... Um, small cap value report i looked at i did this one on my own because graham was flying over from ireland um and preparing for his um talks at mellow so i only looked at three companies begby's trainer beg as you know this is the insolvency practitioner and it's uh been quite acquisitive over the years bought complementary businesses seems to be very good at making acquisitions but the actual growth company aspect of it is not in the share price it's currently valued at 204 million one pound 32 uh the year-end trading update this was for april 2023 was pretty good they said results slightly ahead of market expectations 20.7 million profit instead of 20.3 million market expectations so uh, you know a significant not not an insignificant beat just a useful beat there um <clears throat> it's net cash as well which is pretty impressive given all the acquisitions it's made over the years and it pays dividends about three percent yield and it's got 30 million of unused bank facilities so begbies looks pretty well set up um the um <clears throat> the valuation's reasonable i think it's a p of about 11 or 12 um the outlook has seemed pretty upbeat they're seeing obviously the insolvency market is going to get better for begbies worse for the the poor companies that go to the wall i've just basically said at one pound 32 a share i think it's reasonable valuation certainly not stretched so i think uh begbies could have good upside on it no it's not going to shoot the lights out is it but I've rated that green, not rated it, sorry, given an opinion of green on it. Um, I think £1.50 plus is possible with some patience and you'll get the divvies. So Begbies looks pretty good. And of course, it's counter-cyclical. So if you're bearish about the economy, which, um, you know, there's quite increasingly good reasons to be bearish, I think, about the macro picture. But I'll come on to that in the second podcast. Next, I looked at one of my favourites for the year, actually, Wing Canton, W-I-N. This is a logistics group. Seems to be very well managed. Now, they put out preliminary results for March 23. Now, this one's down quite significantly year to date. Um, it's uh, the first profit warning I had on my top 20 share ideas uh, watch list for the year, which I have to say is still up 7% year to date across the whole 20 shares, which I think is pretty bloody good considering how awful markets have been. Small cap markets are, are down year to date uh, but when canton is down 29 percent year to date but I've, i'm sticking with it um because i think this was really the profit warning was down to a hiccup over a large and lucrative contract loss with hmrc 
Um, but the rest of the business is fine. They've, they're passing through higher costs. They've got open book costings on most contracts where you just agree a, a cost plus type of uh, model with the client, which means that higher inflation isn't, does, doesn't, uh, doesn't hurt Wincanton. Uh, what was it saying? Um, yeah, so 7th of March was the pr previous profit warning when it dropped from about £3 to about £2. But it has been creeping up um, more recently, and I think that's it's up to about £2.24. That was on Monday. I think it's carried on going up this week, maybe up to about £2.40 now. So I do see a recovery at Wincanton in the share price. Uh, it's oversold, I think. It's very cheap on a PE basis, although... Going through the numbers in more detail, I did find some things I didn't like. So the pension deficit, although it's nearly fully funded, and it is in a, an accounting surplus, but of course that's irrelevant because the actu it's the actuarial valuation that determines any cash contributions from the company. Now, Librem is forecasting pension cash contributions between 22 million and 25 million a year for the next three years. So that's a lot. Um, I thought it maybe only had another two-year pension contributions. But if it's got three, then that's 75 million odd. You need to knock off the valuation to take that into account. So that is one of the reasons why the PE on Wincanton is very low. Um, and also, I think some of the adjustments I'm questioning, they made nearly £24 million adjustments to profits, stripping out costs, a lot of them were a sort of restructuring costs, which mm, they're claiming they're one-off. But I th I'm just putting a question mark over that. And finally, I'm not keen on the balance sheet at, at Wincanton, although there are structural reasons why it doesn't need a lot of capital. Uh, so I still think overall, I think on balance, I think Wincanton's pretty good. So I'm going to stick with that. And then there was a brief note from Totally, TLY. This is the NHS outsourcing company. Um, <clears throat> saying that it's got multiple contract extensions. That's really no great shakes because it's just continuing existing contracts. So I don't think that was really particularly noteworthy. I'm not convinced by Total yet. I'm keeping an eye on it, though. The reader comments on Monday's small cap value report were quite sparse. A couple of readers were discussing equals, EQLS. There's a lot of interest in that at the moment. That's Paul Hill's top personal holding. Um, and uh, it does look interesting. The figures look good and lots of positive trading updates from that. All the Forex uh, companies seem to be doing well at the moment. And then the other comments, a lot of them were mainly uh, taking the mickey out of me that my website, Quality Small Caps, is now seemingly diverting to a, a, an online pharmacy selling Viagra. So we've got all the usual double entendres about that. I'm going to try and fix that today, but I haven't had time yet. So uh, bear with me on that. It's just easier to listen to these podcasts through any of the podcast platforms, uh, because obviously that uh, isn't affected by having a clueless former accountant trying to handle the IT. <laughs> Right, Tuesday the 23rd of May. Now this was an absolutely manic day because we had, uh, I, I wanted to get over to Mellow and Chiswick as, as soon as I could. So I was trying to rush out the report. Roland kindly uh, helped out as well. Uh, brilliant stuff as always. Thanks Roland. But um, we were just hit with an avalanche of news and profit warnings, which I couldn't ignore. I had to look at them. So it was a real struggle um, getting these out. But anyway, uh, Roland looked at Avon Protection, A-V-O-N, used to be Avon Rubber, and that dropped 8% on um, a downgrade and its HROM results. I can't, I don't know, I haven't looked at it in great depth, but I remember it was a 
a very exciting growth stock years and years and years ago when it was called Avon Rubber. But um, it seems to have lost its way now, so I'm not really interested in that one. Now, I looked at Enna Aqua Technologies ETP. Now, this was awful, I have to say. It dropped 36% on the day to pound sixty-eight, with what I would describe as a highly misleading um, RNS. So, um, with a disguised profit warning, which uh, was really buried in the Outlook comments. Um, and I think it misled a lot of people who thought the uh, the generally positive tone of it all meant that it was doing doing well but actually <clears throat> profits are set to plunge by about half in um, the new financial year ending January 2024 so I've just lost all trust in management here I'm afraid at Enna Aqua so ETP so for me it's just uninvestable now I'll mark that as red you know if you can't trust management to communicate clearly what's going on then I don't I'm, I don't want to get involved at all so um, big thumbs down from me for that one, although I think it did bounce towards the end of the week on a uh, director buy. I always think, you know, director buying after profit warnings, is it really meaningful or is it just, you know, trying to pacify the markets? I, I, I don't put a great deal of store on it unless it's a really serious amount of money, well into six figures. And from directors who that's a meaningful amount of money to them, not somebody who's got, you know, multiple millions in the bank from... Um, you know, having sold previously, for example. Uh, so, yeah, very disappointed with Anna Aqua for the um, nature of it delivering this profit warning, trying to cover it up. And also the fact that the profit margins just halved because of product mix, which says to me that the previous bumper profits for year ending January 2023 are probably not sustainable. It's certainly something not that I wouldn't use to value the share. I think they were just lucky and had a, a, a one-off good year. So very disappointing with that one. Calnex Solutions this is an interesting company. Roland looked at that. Um, we quite like that one. Now, Watkin Jones, WJG. This is a holding of mine. Very insignificant, though. I have a highly concentrated portfolio where my top two positions are 50% of my portfolio. Um, and, you know, then the, the, the tail end at the bottom is, is very small. So Watkin Jones was only about, I'd say about 3% of my portfolio. So I'm 30% down on it from my purchase price. So it really, that, in the overall scheme of things, that doesn't really matter. And I was I was actually prepared for a profit warning. Um, I did put in, I, I provided links to them. We're in January and when was it? March, I think. I said that the interim results, we know they're going to be poor and uh, it, could, it could limber up for another profit warning. So I was half expecting a profit warning on this one. Which makes me wonder why I took a position at all in it. It probably would have been better, obviously, to sit on the sidelines and watch. But never mind. Anyway, the forecast inline H1 results from Watkin Jones. This makes student build student accommodation and build to rent. The reason I held it is because the government apparently is going to change the rules on build to rent and to encourage insurance companies and pension funds to invest directly in infrastructure. So my thinking was that, well, that'll be very good for Watkin Jones because it's precisely what they do. But unfortunately, they've been hit by shorter term headwinds on projects being delayed, 
uh, it's mainly project delays that are now not going to probably catch the year end and that means they can't book the profit related to those projects. It's large lumpy projects so not very good on Watkin Jones but the lower the shares go the closer they get, they get to net, net tangible asset value so uh, I'm not concerned about that because of the balance sheet strength so I'm just going to hold Watkin Jones for the duration. I don't think I'm going to add to it though at the moment. I think I, in the short term I've got that one wrong so I don't want to average down on a position where you know it's it's significantly disappointed in the short term so that was that one uh roland looked at empresaria which is a profit warning i think he's saying here uh oh port mary now oh this was a really badly worded rns i think they basically they didn't say whether it was in line with expectations or not but they implied that it was in line with expectations and said that they got a strong Christmas order book and the Christmas is their peak selling period new products well received they say this is obviously the decorative uh, pottery uh, company and reiterated its strategy to improve margins and uh, overall we remain positive in both the short and the long-term prospects however they did say um there's some increased caution from American customers in recent weeks. Now, the market just latched onto that and said, oh, my God, it's a profit warning, which it wasn't. Um, I think one of the readers, I forget who it was, um, said, came up with a brilliant summary. And he said, I think this is a warning that there might be a profit warning in future. And I thought that was brilliant. I think that's a, it's the nail on the head. Hey, the shares have really tanked this week, down about 20%. On what was basically an inline update, um, so it just shows how nervous the markets are at the moment. And the bro the, for the broker forecasts were not changed, so again, it wasn't a profit warning because brokers haven't reduced the forecasts. So, and I think they got great headwind, a uh, uh, tailwinds rather at, at Port Merion from the drop in container shipping, which is going to save them millions this year, and obviously energy prices coming down. So, I think it's it's very cheap, Port Merion. So. I'm not concerned about this update and I'm I'm looking to buy more actually when funds become available. So Port Marion PMP, I think that's good. And it, there was a profit warning that wasn't a profit warning. So pity the company's advisors didn't word the statement better. So I think it was a bit of an own goal. But never mind, these things happen. Oh, I'm just going through the reader comments for Tuesday's report here. And several of the readers, there's quite a lot of discussion about Enna Aqua's profit warning. And several readers, including Janos One and R. Millery, were discussing the extremely high level of receivables um, at January 2023, I think it was. Now, I picked up on that on the main report as well. Uh, it really jumps out at me what a huge number the receivables is relative to revenues. Although in the narrative, the company did say, I think 52 or 54% of that has since turned into cash. So they are saying the receivables has come down, but of course we've only got their word for it. So I think there is a bit of balance sheet risk over that receivables number. And that was good to see a couple of readers uh, reiterating, reiterating that point themselves. Uh, yes. Now, something I didn't get round to reporting on on Tuesday was uh, my second largest personal holding, XP Factory, XPF. This is the experiential leisure company which has the escape hunt rooms and the um, boom battle bars which I've got very high hopes for having mystery shot them and seen how popular the format is 
the historic numbers came out, but it was about 90 pages. So I tried to print it off and then my printer packed up. And um, I only I ended up reading Catching the Train from Canonbury to Gunnersbury, which is quite funny, isn't it? From where I stay in London to where Mello was. So a bit of a bit of a cannonball and military gunning theme there, Canonbury and Gunnersby. So um, anyway, a couple of the readers fired. Janos Wan couldn't help but firing one of his caustic little comments at me, uh, which he likes to do every now and again. It usually says something interesting, but it's the way he says it which is so uh, abrasive that under undermines the message, unfortunately. But never mind, that's what people do online, don't they? They say things that they wouldn't dream of saying face to face. That's just the way it is. Um, anyway, they were asking me to comment on XP Factory, but I just didn't have time because I didn't get to read the full results. I did do a little presentation of it, though, at Mellow, at, at Mellow Bash, and singularly failed to convince the people in the room that it was any good. So uh, I got trounced in that. I think only three people voted for my uh, share idea, XPF, and um, Kevin won with um, STB, Secure Trust Bank. Uh, which uh, I think the audience, though, is more value or in, and larger cap orientated people. So a small growth company is not which hasn't got the historic track record, which is what I presented, obviously isn't going to appeal to people. And people don't seem to understand the concept there that it's proved that the individual site economics and now it's just rolling them out. I mean, the investment case couldn't be simpler. And of course, the numbers, were, the historic numbers won't show profitability because they opened nearly all of the sites in the second half of 2022. So they're not they're, they're not traded a full year yet. But anyway, look, it's too early stage for people. And I think in a bear market, nobody's interested. But I've got quite high hopes for XP Factory longer term. And they're trading ahead of expectations in Q1 2023. So I'll do a proper write-up of that for... Uh, the Stockopedia readers uh, next week. I might well do it on the bank holiday actually because I'm usually itching to get stuck into something stock market related on bank holidays. Or I might just get pissed in the park, I don't know. <laughs> we'll see. Right, on to Wednesday's report. This is the 24th of May. Now I, I booked a day off um, for that day so I could relax the, the, the day before at Mellow. And Roland and Graham kindly wrote this report. Uh, I don't like to put words into their mouth, so I'll, I'll gloss over this, really. But they looked at Mortgage Advice Bureau. Uh, Roland looked at that. Looks interesting. Um, Coral Products is a tiny minnow thing that Graham looked at. I think that's... I wouldn't personally be interested. I think it's too small. But trading updates slightly ahead. And now PCI Pal. Uh, Roland looked at this one. I'm very interested in this share. Um, it's a really good or strong organic growth uh, software company that does cloud-based um, call center solutions where they can take card details over the phone uh, in a secure way. But it's embroiled in a legal dispute, a, a patent update, which we've known about for a while. I read the announcement myself, and it does sound as if the company is becoming increasingly confident on the patent case. But we've only got their word for it, haven't we? And it's, you know, companies are always uh, super upbeat about their chances of winning legal actions and then when they lose they just say you know that the judgment's disappointing that they, they think the judge got it wrong so <laughs> I don't know on that one I'm, I, I'm, I think it's a good company PCI pal but 
Um, I personally want to wait until the outcome of the patent case. And it looks like they're trying to negotiate some sort of compromise solution, which is implied in the uh, in the latest update. And the trading update was pretty good. Now, Graham looked at CNC. I must read that in more detail. I haven't looked at it yet. This is the drinks company based in Ireland that Graham knows a lot about. <clears throat> now, I recently covered its profit warning where the CEO fell on his sword after a, a, an IT implementation went wrong. Um, and um, this is the company that bought a couple of subsidiaries from Conviviality, which went bust in 2018. And it's the in implementation of in ERP systems at those old Conviviality businesses that's gone wrong. So the curse of conviviality rears its ugly head again five years after its collapse. But anyway, look, Graham's gone through the numbers in, in detail, so have a look at that. Uh, I'm going to read up on that later. Uh, now, Zotfoams. This is one of my favourite stocks, ZTF. It's not a bargain, it's not cheap, but I think it's got very, very good um, long-term potential and um, it's trading really solidly, actually. And it's put out another inline trading update. Roland looked at that. Uh, as I say, not cheap, but I think um, I'm itching to buy some Zotfoams at some point, but I'm just not, not going to pay the current price. I just think it's a bit too high, given that we're getting bargains thrown at us on a daily basis, really, aren't we? Right, on to Thursday. This was the 25th of May, 2023. Uh, <clears throat> back to normal service with Graham and I uh, writing the report. I looked at Headlam. Now, this put out a profit warning down 10%, uh, down to £2.36 a share. I'm amber on this. But actually, as I um, digested the news, I thought, you know what, I think this share's now low enough to consider uh, me buying a few. So the following day, I did actually buy a tiny, tiny position with um, some money I found I'd forgotten I had in a in an ISA, so only a really, really scrap of uh, money. But I thought, well, let's put it to good use. Um, <clears throat> I've put here that I think this is the Carpets and Floorings distributor, the UK's largest bulletproof balance sheet, trading at par with net tangible asset value. And a lot of that asset value is freehold property. So I, uh, Headlam's absolutely bulletproof, copper-bottomed, which I think I want at the moment. I don't want to be buying things where you have to worry about them renewing bank facilities or anything like that. Um, <clears throat> I've said here it's a frustratingly vague update. Sounds like it might be a profit warning. Um, weak consumer demand, not surprising really, is it? You know, And that's been factored into a share price that's already fallen a lot, but it dropped another 10% down to £2.36. I think I bought my little scrap the next day at £2.42, and I'm probably going to add to that if it keeps falling. My one main... Because uh, uh, I'm not... I don't really care about short-term trading for companies. We know the macro is bad, but macro sorts itself out, and then you get an economic recovery. And shares tend to start anticipating that before it actually happens that's why i think sometimes buying you know there's the famous saying isn't there buying when there's blood on the streets you know is is um is difficult but it often is when you make your best buys i think when you buy things when which are totally bombed out where everyone's given up on the company but actually it's a, a good solid business which is how i see headlam so i'm going to start buying that and i'm going to buy some more if it keeps dropping my main drawback on it, my, what I'm worried about, is competitive damage from this competitor called Likewise, L-I-K-E, which is also listed and is being grown aggressively by the former CEO of Headlam. So, um, <clears throat> you know, I'm, my worry is that they're going to start chipping away at Headlam's margins 
possibly, and undercutting them. Now, Graham looked at one, his fav one of his favourite shares, SNU. This is a uh, consumer credit company. I think they specialise in car, second-hand car financing and also bridging finance for property transactions, which can be troublesome, but obviously is secured. So um, I think they've got some delays, some technical defaults on uh, a small number of um, uh, bridging loans. But obviously, you know, they'll get their money. It's just that it's delayed, isn't it? So it'll be interesting how that pans out. Uh, Graham likes new. No surprises there. I've looked at it a couple of times. And yeah, it's very, very good. Very solid, traditionally family-run business. And we, we, we like those. They tend to do better over the long run. And they... Um, don't tend to blow up in downturns, um, I find. General sweeping statement that I've got no actual data to prove that. It's subjective, but I think most people probably agree on that. What did I look at? Oh, LSL Property Services talks about very... This is estate agents. It switched from um, owning and running them to... Um, it's in the process, rather, nearly completed the process of switching them to a franchising model. I thought that was interesting, because that's the model that... Obviously, uh, my sector favourite, Belvoir, uh, operates, and it seems to work very well franchising in a state agency. And it smooths out the peaks and troughs because uh, you're getting your franchise fees and the franchisees are probably in, incurring any short-term trading losses, but they get the upside when uh, during the, the, the good times. Uh, and, and, yeah, LSL says franchising is simpler to manage and high margin. Now, on the outlook, I was quite surprised at how upbeat this sounds. LSL says some early signs of improved trading, unquote, and it's expecting an H2 weighting in uh, 2023, as I think pretty much all the house builders and property uh, state agency businesses have said, because they all suffered in H1 because of the aftermath of the mini budget. So we know all about that. That's nothing new in that. And it confirms it's in line with expectations for 2023. Although I did point out that LSL's forecasts for 2023, broker forecasts, are, have been substantially reduced. Uh, I don't see anything of appeal in valuation terms on LSL, so I moved on from that one. Um, cohort I looked at, CHRT. This is a group of six companies calls itself an independent technology group, but it's it's basically a contractor for the military. Um, <clears throat> and uh, I've got to say, the long-term performance of this company is very good. It's been, it was a multi-bagger between 20, a big multi-bagger between 2011 and 2020, although since 2020, the shares have been sort of oscillating but in a downward drift. Um, <clears throat> now, Cohort says the current... No, sorry, this was for financial year April 2023, slightly ahead of expectations. It's got net funds, a lot more than it expected, at 15 million. Order intake is up and it's got a big closing order book. So that gives it very good visibility. So I think cohort looks interesting. I've, I've generally never really invested in military shares, but not particularly for ethical reasons, but just... I suppose because they quite often have large and lumpy contracts. And a lot of people, going back to the ethical point, a lot of investors say, well, look, every country has a right to defend itself and to have armed forces. Um, and cohort, a lot of it is focused on the UK. And we want the UK to have modern, well-equipped armed forces. So even though the whole, uh, you know, the whole bigger picture on that is pretty grim, you know, pacifism doesn't work. It just encourages aggression, as we saw in the 1930s <clears throat> uh, with the, the appeasement and uh, 
That is a, a an ongoing theme, I think. And uh, and cohort does say that in its outlook statement that the war in Ukraine and uh, tensions in Taiwan is dri is driving higher defence spending. Um, so overall, I think cohort looks quite good. Actually, it looks quality business, priced at fourteen times forecasts, which were confirmed today. Uh, and historically, it's generally been on a much higher rating. So cohort might be an interesting one for you to do much more in-depth research on. Remember, my stuff is just quick reviews. And finally, I had a quick look at Henry Boot, B-O-O-T. This is an interesting company. It does land development and construction. Um, seems to have a nice mix, balanced mix of activities, which um, smooths over the troughs. It's saying it's had a good start to 2023. And again, um, um, quite surprisingly upbeat comments i picked out some comments from its trading update it says house builders are buying land again selectively house buyers actual individuals families house buyers are returning to the market it says very frustrated about planning permission delays but also it points out that that supports the value of plots with uh, planning permission which is an interesting point isn't it and then it says the build to rent sector is seeing strong demand and investors are looking to fund schemes again now that actually has interesting read across for Watkin Jones because of course build to rent is what they do so that that encouraged me that sitting tight on my losses with Watkin Jones might be the, a, a good idea in the long run uh, I don't know enough about Hen Henry Boot to really form a strong view on it but I think the uh, the the update was sufficiently positive and the valuation is very attractive. It's at, I think it's at a 20% discount to net tangible asset value. I think a lot of house building shares have had big rallies, um, but this one hasn't. So it might be worth you, uh, you guys and girls, having a look at Henry Boot in more detail. Right, on to Friday. I wrote this my, myself, uh, as, as I do on Fridays, because it's quieter for news. Wasn't much interesting news. The big news was the uh, refinancing from ASOS, ticker ASC, obviously the giant um, fashion e-commerce website that is really struggling at the moment, looking in a serious mess financially, heavily loss-making. Um, balance sheet is, is, is disappearing down, down the tube quite rapidly. I'm really bearish on ASOS. I think they're in a mess and they've, they're making big uh, noises about turning the thing around, but they've really got to show some progress in H2. Now, the interesting thing is ASOS had quite recently, I think in the last month, refinanced, uh, extended rather, its bank facilities. Well, it's now announced, this is on Friday 26th of May, Friday just gone, it's now announced a new banking arrangement, which... It's very odd. Why would you go to all the cost? It's expensive renewing bank uh, facilities, particularly if you're a high risk borrower, as I think ASOS is. You know, they charge a hell of a lot in admin fees, you know, multiple millions. So to, to refinance twice in rapid succession suggests to me something's not right there. Maybe they thought they were going to, uh, maybe they're trading worse than expected and they, uh, you know, were not comfortable with the, um, with the back, with the covenants on the old facility. Anyway, the interesting thing is they've refinanced the bank. They've got smaller bank facilities now with Bantry Bay. Now, if you remember, they are a higher risk lender in America, from America, I think, and they refinanced Superdry, which was in a similar troubled financial position recently. Well, the ASOS's facility with Bantry Bay is a 200 million term loan and a 75 million RCF. 
there's a 75 million shortfall between that and the old bank facilities. So they've done a 75 million placing at four pound eight pence a share, uh, which was par with the um, closing share price the day before. So the existing shareholders, the big shareholders, are supporting ASOS and are standing their comma. Sorry, correction. The placings at four pound eighteen point one pence, which was the previous night close, four eighteen. Now I make I work through the numbers here, and I worked out it's about nineteen percent dilution. So it's not ruinous dilution from the placing, um, and given that the share price the the price of the placing was at the was not at a discount. I think this is fine. I don't think shareholders can complain about the terms of this placing at all. I don't think it'll be the last placing, mind you. Now, remember, ASOS also has a £500 million convertible bond, which it's going to have to sort out in April 2026. 20, I think that's sufficiently far out that by then, we'll, you know, ASOS either will have turned itself around and will be able to refinance that bond, or it will have gone bust. I think, I, I think it's binary, ASOS now. It's in a mess. I wouldn't touch the shares personally. I think it's just for traders now. Um, but isn't that interesting? And the Bantry Bay facility is so expensive. 11% interest. I mean, we haven't seen uh, interest charges like that for a long time. And ASOS said in H2 alone of the current year, which is the six month, months to August 23, its for cash financing costs will be 55 million in a half year. I just don't think it can afford that. I mean, it's not generating cash flow. It reckons it's going to in H2, but, you know, I think pigs will fly before... Um, before that happens but you never know but it depends how they define cash flow of course i'm sure they'll find creative ways of showing that it's supposedly um, cash positive if you ignore a whole bunch of costs uh yeah so yeah a asos very wobbly i think um uh if you have to invest in a fast fashion e-commerce business boohoo is much 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 better i think much safer and that boohoo got its inventories down very considerably which in the last update which shows that it's its cash and liquidity position is really quite healthy now with Boohoo. ASOS is massively overstocked. I think it's stuff full of stuff, stuff they can't sell. So uh, yeah, I'm 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 pretty bearish on ASOS. Finally, I looked at Micklemersh Bricks MBH. This looks really good, I have to say. You would have thought Bricks would be a, a bad area at the moment, but they seem to be trading fine. And uh, the joint CEO has handed his notice in, but with a year delay till he leaves and he's not going to be replaced they're just going back to having one ceo that's slightly odd but anyway they slipped in a, um, a reassuring trading update uh, in with this update so thank you to the readers who uh, spotted this f-r-e-n-g f-r-eng and cheeky minnows they both flagged it up in the reader comment section and i followed up on it so thank you for that one so yeah i've given a green view on michaelmersh bricks i think it looks a good business very nicely asset backed they seem to be based down in haywards heath near to where i used to live when i had a stint living in brighton and hove no and or as the or as the locals call it awards eve awards eve so yes yes uh yeah, I think I would try. You know, you don't know though if there's going to be a delayed reaction, do you, with these building products companies? You know, we could still yet have a slowdown. Although Micklemersh is quite high end, the sort of specialist bricks, I believe, for uh, you know higher end properties. So maybe that maybe that side of things won't be uh, so effective uh, affected by recession. I don't know.
Oh, there were a couple of others I looked at on Friday. XL Media, it's down to less than 10p. 9.4p down 17%. I can't make head and tail of this. I mean, I don't like these um, these online marketing companies. I, don't, I think they're rather flaky businesses, often with um, no great sustainability of um, profitability. But the PE is down to about four. So... It is tempting to look into Excel Media in a bit more detail, but it hasn't paid dividends, I see, since November 2019. There has been quite a bit of director buying over the last few years at much higher prices. I don't know. Maybe it's worth a look, but for me, I I don't think I'm going to bother. Um, all, all, all the things in that sector, you've got Tremor, haven't you? And you've got uh, Central NIC. I just don't like the sector. There's There's always something wrong with those companies. Uh, fundamentally lurking under the surface and they always look ridiculously cheap but then they just keep going down so I don't know I don't know I wouldn't know it's not for me finally another one I don't think much of Kin and Carter KCT this is um, we've got a lot of problems with this Graham and I don't like it with the accounts that have huge adjustments in them every year it's poor performing it's putting out profit warnings and the narrative is utterly confusing and no dividends since 2019 so i'm not tempted to to bottom fish on kin and carter i just don't think it's a very good business graham and i agree and the share price has literally gone nowhere in the last 20 years it's just up and down up and down every time it has a good run it comes crashing back down again so what's the point I think there are better businesses out there, so it's a for Kin and Carter. Okay, I think that's it. I'm rapidly running out of time, so I will sign off for part one and start recording um, part two in a moment. Bye! <laughs>